listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Today, uh, I really felt, and as you saw, I really felt to deal with um, decisions that you can make to avoid a sucky life. (laughs) Decisions that you can personally make, and we're going to cover seven of them today, to avoid a subpar existence. Um, One of the things that's bothersome is to travel and see people or meet people that are just completely frustrated with their life completely frustrated um, with their with what's going on in their family, their business, their ministry, whatever it might be. And you can just tell that they are frustrated. You can tell that they are, some of them uh, literally feels like they've given up. And obviously that's not what God wants for you. So before we jump into this, as you're jumping on to the broadcast, uh, share it today because this one needs to be heard because people do not need to be living in an existence where they are constantly frustrated, constantly ready to give up, quit, or they just zone out. They just put their life in cruise control and kind of zone out. They detach themselves from their purpose and literally they'll get engaged with side things that don't matter uh, just to take up their time and to keep their mind off of the fact that they have fully disengaged from their purpose. Hey, Kelsey, it's great to see you guys too. Um, yeah, Facebook is live today as well. We got people commenting on Facebook, Bonnie. So share this before we get started. I'd appreciate it. Um, I want to say a thank you to all of those of you of the from the Victory Tribe that over the last two meetings took the time to drive uh, and be a part of those live meetings. One was in Buffalo and one was in Horseheads, New York. And of course, we saw some of you in Elizabeth City at the tent meeting. It was so great to see you. Um, We got to see, um, and I don't want to miss anybody, but I got to see Kelly and Bill Berardi. I got to see Jen and John Puma. I got to see um, uh, David Orr. I got to see Janine. I got to see Sonia Letty. Oh, this is the thing. All of the people that came in from Crossroads. We love our Crossroads family. And uh, they drove five and a half hours one way and then five and a half hours back to be in uh, Horseheads at his tabernacle. And it blew me away that Letty and her father and her her children uh, did 11 hours round trip, and that would be the minimum, um, to come to one service. And uh, Letty, I appreciate it. We love you and your family, love all of our Victory Tribe family. And uh, we've got more, more coming up. We'd love to see you guys there. Check it out on the website, get the details, get the addresses. Uh, and the dates, and uh, we'd love, love, love to see you live. So I got thinking about this because it's, there's nothing more sad than seeing somebody live in a frustrated state, in a defeated state where they feel like their life is wasted. Uh, They feel like giving up. And, you know, let me just say you, I don't care how old you are watching this broadcast today or listening on the podcast. I don't care how old you are. You are not past your prime. Now, that that may be hard to believe for some people, but the thing that I tell everybody is this. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, 
If you're a Christian that's got the Holy Spirit, you cannot be past your prime. And in fact, I want you to write that in the comments as we're starting today. I cannot be past my prime. Hey, Raul, put it in the comments. I cannot be past my prime. Not if you've got the Spirit of God living in you. Because see, if you do, then at any time, for the whole entirety of your life, all things are possible. That's just it. So pop it in the comments. I can't be past my prime. Hey, Britt, love you. I cannot be past my prime. And that's the key. If you are full of the Holy Spirit, if you're a child of God, you cannot be past your prime. I love you, Glenn. And so today I want, I want to encourage you, but don't, don't listen to this broadcast or see the uh, title and say, well, you know, my time's already passed. You know, I've already got into the life that I didn't want and I'm already in the middle of a, of a life I don't want. Let me encourage you. It's not too late to make changes and to live the life that God has for you and to get rid of the things that are hindering you in your call and purpose. It's not too late. And these seven things are practical things. These are extremely practical things. And uh, these are decisions you can begin to make today. You can make these beginning today and it'll make changes quickly. Everything takes time. Everything requires consistency. But if you'll begin to make these decisions today, you'll start seeing the fruit of them almost immediately. And I believe immediately because you can't make these biblically based decisions and not see fruit and not see change. It will change your life. And then uh, at the end, I want to show you something I've got right over here, a little surprise right over here to my left, your right, that I can't wait to show you. Um, but I want you to take notes. I want you to write these, uh, verses and these passages down. And, uh, I want you to begin to apply these immediately because you'll see change. And so the first one is going to be, is going to seem the most spiritual, but I'm going to talk about it first because it's the most important. And then we're going to move on to the other six, which are, uh, there are all seven things you can do right now. But the other six are going to seem to your mind like they're more practical. But the first one is as practical as all the rest because of the fact we're commanded as believers to do this. So let's write these down, put them in the comments, put the, um, literally put the references in the comments and let's, let's help those that are going to watch later. If you're listening on the podcast, we love you. Thanks for subscribing and being a part. Appreciate you. Number one, the first decision every person needs to make to avoid a sucky life and a subpar existence is decide to be led by the Holy Spirit. That is number one. You say, well, that sounds very vague and and supernatural. It is supernatural, but it's not vague because the Holy Spirit doesn't lead you in a vague way. He leads you specifically. Decide to be led by the Holy Spirit. This means making decisions by his guidance, not by your emotions, not by the culture, not by any other thing, not by what you see in the natural realm, decide to be led by the Holy Ghost. Now, to us as the Victory Tribe, that might sound like it's so basic, but can I tell you, do you know how many Christians do not make decisions based upon the leading of the Holy Spirit? 
all, I mean, the majority. It's the majority. It's not the minority. It's the majority who don't make decisions based on the leading of the Holy Spirit. They just do what seems good. They do what their flesh wants. They do what everyone else is doing. They do what the news tells them to do. They do everything but be led by the Spirit. And it's a mistake because the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8 and verse 14 that those who are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And so uh, Paul was very clear. If you're a child of God, you should be led by God's Spirit. No question about that. And so you've got to, dis- be, you've got to decide to be led by the Spirit of God. Well, that means obviously that we're going to have to be spiritual people in order to not live a frustrating subpar existence, a sucky life. We've got to be spiritual people. And that's the key is that the devil wants to keep us in carnality. He wants to keep us flesh driven. That's why Paul was so frustrating, frustrated when he dealt with the Corinthian believers because he said to the Corinthians, he said, when I was with you, I couldn't address you uh, as mature, but immature. I couldn't feed you meat. I had to give you milk like you were babies because of your immaturity. And then uh, there are other times, can we not move beyond the basic teachings? So Paul was feeling uh, frustrated by their level of immaturity because he understood that as Christians, we've got to continue to grow and mature. We can't be fleshly. We can't be carnal. We have to be spiritual people who are led by God's spirit. If we would just make that one change, do you know, I believe all of these issues would begin to vanish if we would just make a decision to be led by the spirit. So many things would literally fall to the wayside if we would just simply be led by the spirit. Now that, that includes two things. It includes uh, obeying everything in the written word of God and then following the prompts of the spirit's voice as he speaks to you. Of course, he's never going to contradict his word, but you can't find the specifics of your life in the written word of God. The scripture is not going to tell you which person to marry, which college to attend, where to live in the nation, which career that you're called to take. Those things you have to be led by the spirit personally about. So if you obey the scripture and you follow the prompts and leadings of the Holy Spirit, he's not leading you into frustration. He's not leading you into a place of uh, where you're discouraged and ready to give up. He's leading you into victory. He's leading you into a place of more than enough. He's going to lead you into a place of fulfillment and satisfaction. And so I had to start with this because the rest are pointless. If we're not going to be led by the spirit of God, we might as well just decide to do something else with our lives rather than be a Christian. Because how are you going to be a Christian and then not listen to the voice of your master? And so we have to make up our minds. I will be led by the spirit of God. And so that's number one. Number two, the second thing, the second decision that we've got to make as believers in order to not be discouraged, live a sucky subpar life is stop living for everyone's approval. 
Let that be number two. Put it in the comments. Stop living for everyone's approval. Horrible mistake. It's a horrible mistake. Don't live for the approval of others. Put it in the comments. We cannot allow that to happen. And I'll tell you, when you do that, it really steals your joy from you. When you're always living to, to please other people. What a mistake. What a mistake. I don't want to always make a decision based upon what I think everyone else will think of it. And see, we're in a dangerous time in history for this one because we are the social media generation. And because we are the social media generation, we often fall into the trap of using what we see on social media to, or, or the culture of social media, to rethink what we release and what comes out of our mouth, what we stand for. There are people that are literally camouflaging what they stand for on social media and in life because they know there will be a pushback from certain groups of people because they believe that thing or because they live that way. And so it's dangerous when you temper your actions or you temper your words uh, and you, you pull back from your principles because of what other people around you might think about it. Because here's where you get into the frustration and the discouragement. You know internally that what you believe is right and that what you know is right. And I'm talking about these are biblical principles, not just your opinions. I'm talking about things that God has said that you would stand up for privately, but then the spirit of this world wants to push back against it. And because the spirit of this world wants to push back against it, people don't like conflict. People will do anything to avoid conflict. And so what happens if you get, give into this social media culture is that you'll start to customize everything that you release from your life for the approval the likes, the shares, the retweets, the hearts of others. It's a big mistake to literally live your life for the approval of other people. And in fact, I love what the Bible says in, uh, in um, Luke chapter six and verse 26, <laughs> Luke six twenty six. Jesus said this. He said, woe to you when all people speak well of you for so their fathers did to the false prophets. And so Jesus is making this, he's making this comparison. He said, just because people speak well of you doesn't mean that what you're doing is right. They, they spoke well of the false prophets, Jesus said. So it's not people's applause that we're looking for with our lives because there's people that will applaud things that are wrong. Look at the month that we have right now. We've, and by the way, welcome to June. But if I'm not right, and I think I am, because when I went to share this on, on Facebook, uh, they've commandeered June as Gay Pride Month. Is that right, Tiff? 
Is it Gay Pride Month? You don't even know. I don't know, but I think so because I saw a rainbow on Facebook on the logo. <laughs> Somebody on the comments can tell me. I think they've commandeered June for Gay Pride Month. And so look at that. If you are a church, now imagine this. And I want you to imagine it because of the fact there's churches doing it. Imagine if you're a church that applauds that lifestyle and you call yourself a Bible believing Christian and you know what the Bible teaches, but you're still ordaining people from the LGBTQ community. You are approving of the lifestyle, all of these different things. Well, here's the deal. You'll get applause from that group. You'll get accolades from that group. But what does that really mean? What does it mean to have approval from everybody? It means that you're not standing for something because the moment you stand for something, there will be a group of people who oppose what you stand for. There will be a group of people who oppose what you stand for. And it's, it's, a, it's woe unto you, beware, when everybody speaks well of you. There's a problem, listen, there's a problem when there's nobody who opposes you. <laughs> That's a problem. It means you don't have anything you're standing for. Don't be that person. Don't be that person. And so Jesus said, woe unto you, when we're living for everyone's approval, do you know what we have to do? We have to do emotional and natural and spiritual gymnastics just to get the applause of other people. And I refuse to do it. Anyone that lives for other people's approval is always in a place of, um, you know, anxiety. It's like, oh, is she going to like this? Is he going to like this? Oh, if I say that, if I go there, if I do that, if I, oh, are, am I going to get pushed back? Am I going to get, are people going to talk about me? Who cares? The bottom line is, who cares? Who cares? Here's what I've learned. Really, in, in all truth, people can't promote you anyway. First of all, people can't stop your blessing and people can't start your blessing. The Bible is very clear that promotion does not come from the East or the West or the South, but promotion comes from the Lord. And he alone decides who will rise and who will fall. If you are smart and if you want to live a life that's not subpar, that doesn't suck and that doesn't cause you to be discouraged, doesn't cause you to want to give up, then in your actions, work to only please God. If you'll please God with your life, then everything else falls in line. I'm looking for the approval of one person, just one, that's the Lord. Put that in the comments, live for the approval of one person. That's all you need, that's all you need. Live for the approval of one person, that's the Lord. And if he's pleased, it doesn't matter who's displeased. That's the, that's the honest truth. If he is pleased, it does not matter who's displeased. Because literally, if, you, if, if your ways please the Lord. I mean, I had a whole message on that I preached one time. All these things that happened. 
when you please God with your actions. Did you know the Bible says in the book of Proverbs that when a man's ways please the Lord, even his enemies will be at peace with him. Preston, my cousin, (laughs) dropping some Christian comedy in in the comments. Living for the applause of nail scarred hands. There's always something on a church sign somewhere that will take something that is true and make it cheesy. Um, but you understand that is that if you, if you are pleasing the Lord with your life, then it literally doesn't matter who's displeased with your life. Because if God's the one pushing you forward, who's going to push you back? Who's going to tell you, you can't, who's going to tell you, you don't, I mean, who's going to deny you entry when it's the Lord who rules and reigns over all. Who's going to say you can't go higher when he's the one that brings promotion? The question I'm asking is who's going to rebuke and stop God? Nobody, nobody. Who's going to hinder him from blessing your life? Nobody, nobody. The Bible says when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. And so I'm telling you right now that approval of others, living for the approval of others will cause your life to suck. And I've watched it. I've seen it happen uh, all around. I meet people that they're ready to give up. They've lived their whole lives for the approval of it. For what? For what? What did you get at the end of your life for living your whole life to please other people? What did you get out of that? Because people are fickle. They'll change on you in moments. In moments. Look at the people Paul dealt with on the island of uh, Malta, right? He's, he's helping them build the fire and a snake jump, jumps out and latches onto his hand, a venomous, poisonous snake. And they say, oh, he must have sin in his life. God must be judging him. And then he shakes it off into the fire. And they're like, oh, he's a God. <laughs> Look how quick they changed. Oh, he's got secret sin. Oh, Paul's got secret sin. And then all of a sudden the venom doesn't stop him and the poison can't kill him. And he's standing there fine. Oh, he's a God. My Lord, he's a God. People change their minds on a dime. It's a mistake to live for the applause of people. It's a foolish mistake to live for the applause of people and the approval of people. So, So decision number two, don't live for the approval of everybody. Live for the approval of the Lord. And you watch and see what will happen. This next one's a very important one as well. Number three, put it in the comments. Um, Let me see how I worded it in my my notes on my phone. Um, Yeah. In your life, do what God has given you a love for. Put that in the comments. Number three, do what God has given you a love for with your life. You know, there's nothing more frustrating than waking up every morning, going to a job you hate, doing work you can't stand for a paycheck that doesn't pay enough for you to even be happy to do that kind of work, coming home frustrated. I mean, literally, and there's people that live that way. Why don't you instead do what God has given you a love for? Because it's a clue, by the way, to your purpose. It's a clue toward your purpose. We read that verse of scripture. 
God gives you the desires of your heart. But did you ever consider that that scripture does not mean that you're coming up with desires and then God gives them to you? Did you ever think about the fact that he's the, literally the one who's giving you the desires? He's the one putting the desires in your heart. <laughs> Britt said, cake pops. She's doing what the Lord gave her a love for. Do what the Lord has given you a love for. He's put it in your heart. Did you ever think he's the one that put those desires there to guide you into the purpose of your life? Let me tell you, there's nothing that'll make you happier, more encouraged, more ready to take on the, is when you're doing what you know the Lord's called you to do and you love doing it. You love doing it. I can't tell you, you know, people, people ask me all the time, how do you travel so much? You're never home. You got, how do how do you go on? They'll ask me about this with the, the, with the victory tribe. They'll say, how do you go on every morning through the weekdays and talk to, you know, talk online for an hour and a half, two hours. How do you do that every day? It doesn't feel like work to me. It doesn't feel like work to get in the car and go and do what God's called me to do. Yes, we travel 250, 270 days a year. That doesn't feel like work to me. Do I get tired? Of course, my body gets tired, but I don't seriously can't believe I have to do this again, preach again. I don't feel like that. I'm excited. This is the call of God that's upon my life. And so because it is, I pursued the thing God gave me a love for. You see that? And so as a result, I'm excited to constantly do what the Lord has uh, called me to do and the love that's in my heart, the love for people, the love for ministry, the love for the Lord and pursue it. Wilson said, I love video editing. I want to know how I can make money by doing so. So far I do highlight reels for my church and that's growing. Any advice? Yeah. Put yourself out there. Start putting yourself out there in your, where you live and start making your uh, work known, build a portfolio, build a website with your portfolio and let people know, get word of mouth out there. I did that as a young man with, with the same type of thing, graphics and websites and stuff like that. And without any paid uh, advertisement and before there was Facebook, uh, you know, ads and all that stuff, just by word of mouth, I had so much business and it was, it was the thing I did on the side because I really, really enjoyed doing that. And I did it on the side and I would sit on my couch at the house with a laptop and do it. And I was making thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars as a young, young man, twenties, early twenties on the side, just because I was diligent for it, loved it. And, you know, as I just stepped out in faith to do it all, and then you do it in excellence. And then if God's put an anointing on you to do it, guess what? The doors are going to open so many doors open for me. I had to take my website down. I mean, I think of that. It was literally taking away. I didn't want it to bleed over into ministry time. So I, I literally took the website down so people wouldn't find me online and, and schedule me for more work. That's how much work I was doing. So I, I want you to hear it. God will do it. He's put the desires. He's given you the gifts and the callings and the talents. Step out. Put yourself out there by faith and do it. Praise God. Brother Donnie Alloy. Praise Jesus. I just made my first payment from my seed money from my catering uh, business. Thank you. And God bless you doing what he loves, doing what he loves. And so understand it. And Isaiah said, I love music. You're, you're anointed to do music. God's put that on you. You have an anointed voice. You have anointed mind. You have the ability to do it. Pursue. See, and you do what God's given you a love for. Do what the Lord has given you a love for. I can't understand, you know, 
Bible school produces more baristas in Starbucks than anything else. I've never seen it. I've never seen anything like it. People all have this desire to go to Bible school and be anointed and preach the gospel. And they live, leave and go do something else. They leave and go do something else. That makes no sense to me. Makes no sense to me. They don't go leave and get involved in ministry. They go leave and do something else. Now, if you're called to do something else and you were just going to Bible school because you wanted to learn more about the Bible, that's fine. But I'm talking about people that said they were called into full-time ministry. They were called to minister. They were called to whatever. And then they go do it. And then something puts them off course. And then they're not involved in what they said they were called to do. Not involved in what they loved at the beginning. Then they live frustrated lives. Well, you know, I was called. And then I'll, I'll get people that will come up to me and ask me to pray for them in meetings. Say, well, you know, I was called, um, the Lord called me to preach the gospel 22 years ago. And I'm just praying that God will start opening the doors for that. It's like 22 years ago. What have you been doing for 22 years that you didn't get involved in what God said he called you to do? What you knew you were supposed to be doing. What have you been doing? And so I want you to look at this Nehemiah. Isn't this interesting? I touched on this. Uh, a little bit when I was in horse heads and it really, it jumped off in my spirit. I mean, big time jumped up. And, uh, it, it, I thought to myself, man, it doesn't matter the level of, uh, what you're doing for the Lord. Uh, if the, someone could give you a much, much better opportunity. And I thought to myself, if it's not from God, why would you ever do it? Because it doesn't matter if, even if the opportunity is better, if it's not your purpose, you can sit there and be frustrated in your life because of the fact that you did not do the thing God called you to do. And literally that might look lesser. Here's the thing that might look lesser to the natural mind. It's not, but it might look that way. And you could do something that to the world looks like it's up here. And you're like, man, that's the way, that's the ticket. That's where the money is. That's where the, and then God's not in it. You weren't called to do it and you're engaged in it, but you're literally in a place where you're unfulfilled, unsatisfied. Why? Because it's not God's call for your life. Like, you know, people probably look at, you know, it's funny what we, <laughs> it's funny what we think is, uh, is, is, is awesome and influential today. You know, that it didn't used to be that way. Uh, I remember uh, laughing. My wife and I were watching a show called Downton Abbey. And, and as we were watching the show Downton Abbey, if you've ever seen it, um, you know, it takes place, you know, starting around right before world war one back in England, when there were there, when there were still Lords and ladies and there were still manor houses and there were still estates in that way. And there was the Lord of an estate and all that. And, uh, he starts talking at this funeral and he's asking who his extended family are that might have to come and take the, uh, take over as his heir, as the Lord of the estate. And the guy that's telling him about it is like, you know, your, um, your family members are, uh, doctors and lawyers. And he says kind of like with disgust, like it's, it's so odd that I have family members that are doctors and lawyers. And then the guy looks back to him and with a laugh, he's like, I guess there are worse professions. Like <laughs> you, you go back then and it made me laugh that like, Today, you know, if you're a doctor or a lawyer, you know, that's everybody wants to go to medical school and people want to go to law school. And that's like prestigious. It made me laugh that like back then people looked down and like, oh, he's a lawyer. Oh, he's a doctor. Like, like it was a lesser thing. 
And it makes me laugh because people would look at these positions and think, you know, that is how you have prestige. That's where the success is. That's where you're going to have. But you know what's crazy? You think to yourself, uh, it doesn't matter what the profession is. It doesn't matter what the job is. If God didn't call you to it, it's not going to be anything compared to what he did call you to do. Even if you're going to see a, you're going to be the top surgeon at a hospital. You're going to be a, a lawyer, like, you know, litigating the highest end cases or whatever. If God didn't call you to do it, your influence is not going to be there. Your blessing's not going to be there. Your fulfillment's not going to be there. Your happiness and joy aren't going to be there. It doesn't matter what the world considers prestigious. What did God call you to do? And I got on that when I was in Horseheads and I started reading from Nehemiah. And this is what happened to Nehemiah. It blows my mind. Let, let me read to you. It's, it's Nehemiah chapter two. And uh, he was already serving the king. I mean, he was right there in the king's court. He was in a prestigious position and he's, he's serving the king personally. But I want you to see this with me. Nehemiah two, I'll read you five verses. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, I took up the wine, gave it to the king. Now I had been, I had not been sad in his presence. And the king said to me, uh, why is your face sad seeing that you're not sick? This is nothing but sadness of the heart. Then I was very much afraid. And I said to the king, let the king live forever. Why should not my face be sad when the city, the place of my father's graves lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Verse four, then the king said to me, well, what are you requesting? So I prayed to the God of heaven and I said to the king, verse five, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in your sight, that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's graves, that I may rebuild it. Think about this. He's already in the court of the king, serving the highest man in the land. But he's, he's sad. He's not fulfilled. He's not satisfied. He doesn't care about what he's doing currently when he sees what he knows he's called to do. He's called to rebuild the walls of Judah. And until he engages in that purpose, notice that even the king, he recognized it. Why are you sad? What's going on with your life? Why are you discouraged? Why are you sad? Why are you? And I'll tell you why. It's because I'm here in the court serving the king rather than back in Judah rebuilding the walls that I know I'm called to rebuild. And of course, you know the story of Nehemiah. He went back to rebuild the walls and the enemy even tried to send men to stop him in the midst of his purpose. A man named Sambalat and a man named Tobiah. And they came to try to get him off the wall while he's fulfilling his purpose try to, because they wanted to kill him in the midst of his purpose. And the enemy will do that same thing to you is that if he can't get you to stop from pursuing your purpose, he'll try to send people to you that will delay you in carrying out your purpose. But if you want to live a life that's not subpar, that's not full of discouragement and anxiety and depression and all, sitting around wondering where, where did I go wrong? I'd like to know where, where did I go wrong in life? Do what the Lord has given you a love to do. There's my friend, brother Chris Hubbard, love you. Do what the Lord has given you a love to do because that's a clue to your purpose is a burning in your heart to do it. There's a burning in your heart to accomplish that purpose. You know, it's funny. I, uh, 
I got back from Bible school. I was like, when you've got that call to preach, you know, any opportunity you get, man, you're ready to let it loose. Like, hey, would you, uh, <laughs> would you kind of go encourage these people in this nursing home for about 20 minutes? You're like, you're in there like in a three-piece suit. Open up your Bible. <laughs> it's like people are eating vanilla pudding. And uh, it's like any opportunity you get, you're so excited. And uh, I got back from Bible school in the midst of my, like in the middle of Bible school. And my youth pastor gave me an opportunity to preach to the youth group, which was like, dude, and they were so gracious because they sat there so patiently listening to me. But man, I had so much desire to preach. I had so much fire on the inside of me and I was ready to just, I opened up, man, I opened up that lid and I'm telling you, I preached in my youth group for like three and a half hours straight on the righteousness of God. I mean, I was like, I went in, you know, and I was just like going off. And uh, I thought to myself, I, I look back now and thought, man, those kids sat there for three and a half hours as I just opened up the lid and preached. Why? There's a burning in you to do it. There's a desire. When you've got a calling and a purpose, there's this uh, strong desire to go and do that thing. You love doing it. You don't get tired doing it. I mean, you could stay up all night planning the things you're going to do. And you know what I mean? And, and that's the key. That's what I'm saying is that if you've got a calling, if you've got a purpose, don't push it off and say, well, that's a side thing. Throw your life into it. Throw your life into it. Can I, can I say something that, that blew my mind? Um, I was reading some, this was not a Christian publication. I was reading this. Uh, it was more of a business. It was more of a business book. And they started getting into these statistics. And do you know what really was a mind-blowing fact to me? If you've got a person who is working a job, and let me, let me just say it this way. Let's say they were making $250,000 in this job, quarter of a million a year, quarter of a million dollars, but they're frustrated at their job. They don't, the people, they're having a hard time with the people they work with. They don't like the work, whatever. They said in that study that if a person had the opportunity or, or a job offer to come down and work for some, something that they love, 150,000 a year. Now you're taking a pay cut of 100 grand, but they said the majority of people will leave that job of a quarter million and go work the job for 150,000 because it's something they love, enjoy, or appreciate. They would rather have the environment. They would rather have the fulfillment in their life. They would rather be around those people that make them happy. And they would take the pay cut rather than work for more money and be under pressure, stress, around people they don't like, hate their work. I mean, that's a hundred grand. That's a hundred grand. So let me just tell you something. It, it was a proof to me. It was a proof to me that when it comes down to it, even among the secular world, the thing that really matters to people, because I didn't make these things up, the statistics were in the study. It's amazing to me that people are willing to choose fulfillment, joy, and happiness over money, more money. They would rather live their lives being fulfilled, being happy, being joyful around people they like than they would have uh, so much more money in the bank or more things or whatever. And I'm telling you, that is a principle in the kingdom. Don't just go do whatever. Find and discover what is the thing that God's given you a love and a passion for. 
and then pursue that. Throw your life into it. Throw your life into it. That's when work doesn't feel like work and doesn't become like you're having to drag yourself out of bed to go do work. You, you literally have a fire burning to do it. And when you're not, you know, you think about it, when you're not doing it, you're thinking about doing it. You're planning about doing it. You're thinking about the next time you're going to get to do it. And, and, and you're, you're in it. You're all in. You're all in. And just like Nehemiah, you're doing the thing that the Lord has given you a love for. That's number three. So back, back through them. Number one, make a decision to be led by the spirit. Number two, make a decision to live, but not for anyone's approval, for God's approval alone. Number three, go and make a decision to give your life to the thing that you love, the thing that God's called you to do. That's number three. Number uh, four, and this is uh, a little bit similar, but it's, it's not the same thing. And I'm going to break down why to approval of others. But number, number four, uh, make a decision to stop comparing yourself with other people. Now that's, that's not looking for other people's approval. That's you trying to gain fulfillment by keeping up with the Joneses, by comparing your life, your ministry, your business, your family with people around you. It is a massive mistake. It is a massive mistake. So number four, stop trying to compare yourself with other people. Stop trying to compare yourself with other people. It's a huge mistake. And in fact, the Bible, uh, gives us a verse of scripture here in second Corinthians, uh, 10, 12. I want you to turn there with me. Second Corinthians 10, 12. Listen to what the Bible says. Now, Paul here is discussing um, these other, you know, ministries that are trying to compare themselves and, you know, talk about Paul behind his back and his style of ministry and, you know, all this stuff. But listen to what Paul says, verse 12, 2 Corinthians 10, 12. He said, not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves, but when they measure themselves with one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. In fact, uh, one translation says they are unwise. They're unwise. It's an unwise thing to compare yourself with somebody else. You know, I, I, uh, sometimes I'll do this when I'm preaching on it, uh, so that people can see the ridiculousness of the, of comparison and, and coveting other people's gifts and talents and abilities and ministries and business. Because when God has a custom made blessing for one person, it's not going to fit your life. So sometimes what I'll do, if you've ever been in a service where I've preached on this, one thing I'll do is I'll take my coat off my suit coat and I'll put it to the side and I'll have somebody stand up. That's either much smaller than me or much bigger than me. And I'll have them take their suit coat off and I'll put it on. And if it's much bigger, you can see that thing hanging off me, the arms going way down over my hands. Or if it's somebody that's much smaller than me, I'm trying to get that jacket on. It's all tight on me. I can't even button it. And then I say, you know, this suit coat looks so good on him. It looks so good. Look perfect. But you know why? It was created for him. It was tailored to him. And I could sit across the room all night long 
and say, man, I wish that was my suit. How come that's not my suit? I'd look good in that suit. And then I go and take it from him and try to put it on me and it doesn't look good on me. It doesn't feel good on me. I can't even function the way that I want to function properly because it doesn't fit me right. And that's what happens when you covet somebody else's calling or their ministry or their business or whatever it is that God has tailor-made for them, it's not going to fit you right. It's not going to work on you right. It's, it's not for you. Yeah, exactly. Kathy said, fat guy in a little coat He's pulling the Chris Farley on me, but it's exactly right. It's not going to fit you because it's not for you. God didn't call us all to be the same. I look at all my friends here that are joining me on the uh, broadcast. We're not all called to be the same. We're called to believe the same word, but we're not all, our purposes are different. Our callings are different. Our anointings are different to do different things. And so if I sat around comparing myself with somebody else, I get into trouble because then I start to say, well, I'm going to start doing what he's doing. God never asked me to do what he's doing. I'm going to start, I'm going to, I'm going to go and, and do what, and God didn't tell me only do what God tells you to do. Don't compare and then start reformatting based on the fact somebody else is doing this and I want to do what they're doing. That's a mistake, man. That's a mistake. And Paul said, when you compare yourselves with yourselves, you're without understanding. You're unwise. It's a massive mistake to make decisions because that keeping up with the Joneses, man, it will crush your life. It'll crush your life. You know, you, you think about the, all the practicalities of not comparing because comparison is a killer. It's a killer. And I, I've been saying this to people for a few years now, since social media has been real strong in people's lives. Uh, I always tell people this, and I'll use this phrase. I'll say, stop comparing your practice sessions to somebody else's highlight reel. It's a real thing. Social media anxiety is a real thing. Carolyn's dealt with this for the women and for the, the on, on her broadcast with Nonstop Mom and now with the, the Carolyn Shuttlesworth broadcast, she's dealt with this. And, and moms that you may be on, you might be scrolling through your Instagram and you see these moms that have prepared like this perfect meal. Or you see this homeschool mom that's like the perfect, has everything so organized and like, you know, pictures on the wall that they've hand created and all these things are all, everything looks like it's like a storybook picture. And then you look at your houses in shambles and your kids are like under a pile of books and there's the, and you're like, I'm not this mom. And I'll look at their dinner compared to your dinner. And they've made like Cornish hens and you're making like mac and cheese that's overflowing on the stove. And, you know, and it starts to make you feel like, how come I'm not like that? Don't compare your practice sessions was somebody's highlight reels. It's a, it's a foolish thing to do. And I want to encourage you, don't compare yourself in ministry, in business, in life with someone else. The Bible says it's unwise. Make a decision not to do that. Number five, this goes right along with it, but number five, stop loving things. This will help you to not have a sucky life, to not have a subpar life. Put it in the comments. Number five, stop loving things or having such a desire to get things that you're not happy unless you get the next thing. You're not satisfied and you get the next until you get the next thing. All of your joy, all of your everything is, is based upon acquiring more things. It's so empty and it's, it's literally the culture we live in. And I'll tell you what ends up happening. I'll tell you what ends up happening. 
is that with the, the love of things, and I don't even mean to, that you have to go as far as being a lover of money necessarily, but what happens to people is that they start to, they start to base their, their uh, value and their fulfillment on what they've got on what they've got, their cars, their house, their, you know, whatever it is, they have to base their value on that. You've got to just let things be things. Because here's the other thing. One of the main reasons that people's lives suck is because they don't, they can't handle their finances properly. They don't handle their finances properly. They're in debt. They don't have enough money. They're literally going paycheck to paycheck. They say that the average person in America, 80 some percent of Americans, if they had an emergency of $500, a minimum, $500, 80 some to almost 90 some percent of Americans would have to put that emergency on a credit card because they don't have 500 extra dollars to pay for that emergency, cash. You know why? People are in debt. People have not allowed themselves to use wisdom and to step out in God's way of doing economics and put themselves in a place where they don't have to struggle financially. And let me tell you something, anybody, and I do mean this, anybody can have more than enough. Let, let me just say this again, and I will say it pl very plain. Anybody, and I don't care who you are, what job you work, where you live, anybody can have more than enough. <laughs> I mean, even, even if you're not doing supernatural things, let me, let me just say this. You could make the simple decision to live below your means and not spend all you have and have more than enough. Just by pure accumulation. Think about that. Just by pure accumulation. And so you say, well, why don't people do that then? Pride. Because they feel like they have to have a certain level of living to prove something to the people that are around them. Why, let me ask you a question. Why do you think people buy a new car instead of a two-year-old car like most millionaires do? Let me ask you that. Why do you think people are out buying a 2021 right now, if you can even get a car, 2021 instead of a 2019 or a 2020 with, you know, why do you think people do that? At the most base level, status symbol, that's why. That's why. And, and don't give me this, well, I believe in prosperity. <laughs> prosperity doesn't mean stupidity. Prosperity doesn't mean stupidity. It just doesn't. I do it because I do it because overflow. If you want a new car, get a new car. But the average person who is literally trying to make better financial decisions, why do you think 80 some percent of millionaires never buy a new car in their entire life? Because they understand finances. They understand economics. They understand uh, depreciation. <laughs> that the moment you drive it off the lot, it goes down like 20%. Worst financial decision you can ever make. Why do you think people do it? That's why they do it. Status symbol, pride, want to impress others around them. That's exactly why they do it. And people live above their means or beyond their means as a, literally as a, a way to impress those around them. It's a status symbol. And so as a result, even if you didn't do supernatural things, but just obeyed those two simple principles, live below your means, don't spend all you have. You will accumulate more than enough. 
Then you throw on top of that doing what God told you to do, sowing, tithing, you know, all the things we teach on this broadcast and you, you engage in God's system of increase, you're going to go through the roof with wisdom and obedience. You're going to go through the roof, but you got to get rid of a love of things and a love of status and a love of pride. I want to read to you what, what Timothy uh, had written to him by Paul, uh, first Timothy six, six through 12. Listen to this. Godliness with contentment is great gain. I want to read that again, highlight it in your Bible, underline it multiple times and, and understand it. Godliness with contentment is great gain. I will be honest with you that one of the biggest things that is absent from our generation and from this nation in particular is contentment. People aren't happy until they go get the next thing, until they go buy the next car, till they have the next pair of uh, name brand sunglasses, until they get their next uh, smartphone, until they have their next, whatever it might be, their next pair of shoes, until the next thing drops, till the next thing is purchased. People aren't happy and they never get happy because they have to continually go and get the next thing. Godliness with contentment. That's 1 Timothy 6, 6. 1 Timothy 6, 6. Godliness with contentment is great gain. We go further. For we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we'll be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. It is the, it's through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and have pierced themselves with many sorrows or pangs. So I want you to hear that right there. Paul, the apostle, is writing these words to Timothy. Now, let me break this down. It doesn't mean it's wrong to be rich. That's not what Paul's teaching. It's not wrong to have more than enough. In fact, if it was wrong, then why did God choose that method to bless his children for their obedience? Why did he say that he would bless them financially and with their basket and their store and their livestock and all and their and their crops and all they did in their economic lives. Why, if it's wrong to abound, would God choose abundance as a blessing for obedience? See, it's not wrong. It's not wrong to have more than enough. It's not wrong to be rich or wealthy. It pleases God when you have more than enough to prove his goodness. But you shouldn't seek that. You should seek him. In fact, put it in the comments this way. I don't seek riches, I seek God. That's what Paul's trying to teach. We don't seek riches, we seek God. And God provides the overflow. God provides the abundance. Notice the verse that I'm alluding to here, Matthew 6, 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things. And it is talking in context about natural things. Where shall we sleep? What shall we eat? What shall we wear? All these things will be added unto you. Will be added unto you. And let me tell you something. God knows the things that you like. Can I tell you? Can I tell you? And I'm not saying this to brag. I just want, I want to say this to you uh, as an example. 
just as an example, and I may have gotten this from my grandfather, but one, th- one thing that I do like is I like watches. I like wristwatches. I like wristwatches. But can I tell you something? I don't know when the last time was that I purchased a nice wristwatch. I don't know when the last time, because all the last ones that, have been, that I have have all been given to me, literally, as gifts or seeds. I, I mean that. I, I remember, and I've given, I keep giving them away. I keep on giving them away. Such a blessing. Um, and, and it's just something that the Lord knows that I enjoy, and then I seek him. I'm not seeking wristwatches. I'm not seeking watches. I'm seeking the Lord. But I'm using this as an example because he just, he knows that I like them. He, God knows what you love and like, and I don't mean love in a negative way. He knows what you enjoy. And if you love him, he'll put them, he'll put them in your life. The last four, five, six watches that I've, that I've had have all been given to me. And so it's funny because see, here's the thing. People get mad at your level of increase. They don't know how you, how you got it. I'm thinking of one watch that, that I have right now. Someone, someone gave it to me. I looked up the value. It was like $12,000 watch, a $12,000 watch. Have it in a case. I looked at another watch somebody gave me recently. It's a $6,000 watch. I didn't pay a dime for it, but it was ble- I was blessed with it. I was in another preacher's office. He said to me, he said, do you like watches? I said, I actually do. He said, which ones do you have? We got talking. He went into his closet, came out with one, put it in my hand. He said, try that one on. Beautiful watch. I put it on. He said, um, that's yours. You take it. I'm giving it to you. I looked it up. That's a th- almost a $4,000 watch. Somebody came in the office uh, in a meeting a few years ago and said, you know, we really love you. We really appreciate you. Love your ministry. We felt to do this. They went out that day during the revival to a jewelry store bought me a beautiful watch. I opened it up, looked at it. It was gorgeous. It it was a $2,500 watch. So I'm going through and I'm looking at these watches. I haven't paid a dime. I haven't paid a dime out of my pocket. Not that it's wrong if I did, because I could be blessed financially and go buy my own watch. But I'm just showing you something. If you'll seek the Lord first and his righteousness, his kingdom. I'm sitting there looking, okay, look at the case. 12,000, 6,000, 4,000, 3,000 in watches. Just because the Lord knows that I enjoy them. He knows that I enjoy them. And Chad was saying that you told that story about the sneakers and gave away all 14 pairs of the dead stock Jordans. Yeah. And then people just keep buying me shoes. I can't stop it because at this point it can't be stopped. Too many seeds have gone out. Too many seeds have gone out. And if we'll seek first the kingdom and not love things, as Paul's writing to Timothy here, don't love the things, love the Lord. And he knows what you like. He knows what you enjoy. He knows what you want. He'll bless you. He will supernaturally bless you. And that's the key. You can't love things and your life will always be subpar if you're seeking after the next thing. I've watched people that have literally worked two and three jobs just because they want things. They want to buy more things and they're always tired and they can't come to church because my boss got me working and all this different stuff look at me and I have those watches sitting on a case and I'm wearing an Apple watch on the broadcast. <laughs> $3.99. And so, uh, <laughs> it's funny to me that God just knows the things that you like. I, you know what? I was sitting in my house in Virginia one time and I get this huge box delivered to the door, huge box delivered to the door. 
And I go open, I was like, what is this massive box at my door? I bring it inside. Somebody had just bought me one of the newest uh, uh, brand name synthesizer keyboards. And I have keyboards. My wife will tell you from her own mouth, Ted doesn't need any more keyboards. <laughs> I have like 14 of them in the house somewhere. But it's like somebody just, they knew that I loved them. They knew that I loved that brand of keyboard. I open up the box and there's this keyboard sitting there. Beautiful, brand new. Lord knows what you like. He knows what you enjoy. He knows what you enjoy. Hallelujah. And he'll bless you. You seek him first. That's how. It's the contentment, but you have a love for the Lord. You're seeking him and he's the provider. That's how you stay in joy. Let me give you number six. Choose to be a blessing to others. Choose to be a blessing to others. This is huge. Choose to be a blessing to others. That's number six. That's it. Mark it down. Be a blessing to others. If you'll make this decision, there's nothing that brings more joy into somebody's life than being a blessing to other people. And you know, I didn't, I didn't used to understand that. I understand it now. When I was a kid, I didn't. My father would tell me, because you've heard me say this on the broadcast. I would ask my dad, you excited Christmas is coming? You're going to get presents, you know, as a kid. And he'd say, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I'm, I'm, he said, I'm looking forward to you opening your presents. And I, th- I think to myself, man, how can he not be excited for presents? Presents are coming. It's Christmas morning, you know. And then I understood when I became a father that my favorite thing is to watch my kids open their presents. That's what I love. You know what I'm happy to, you know what I'm happy to get on Christmas morning? A hot cup of coffee and some bacon, eggs, and biscuits, and then sit in a chair. This is what makes me happy on Christmas morning, sitting in a comfortable chair, not having to get up at 5 a.m. Lord, I thank you for children that don't get up early on Christmas morning. My kids are funny. They sleep in, man, and they'll come down, and it'll be like 10 o'clock. I say, thank you, Lord Jesus. For kids that sleep in, you know what I like? A hot cup of coffee, a comfortable chair, some good breakfast, and then sit there and watch my kids open up gifts. That makes me happy. That makes me happy to watch them. Why? I get blessed. Kelsey said, for real, that's the ultimate Christmas morning. I get blessed, more blessed, watching them. I mean, how many of you are parents in the comments and you flip a hand up and say, that's me too. You get blessed watching them, blessing them. I like sowing into other people. It makes me happy to sow into others. And I'm going to read this to you, Acts chapter 20. And I'm going to read it to you from the Amplified Bible. Because this stirs me up when I read it this way. Oh yeah, I see the hands going up. Brian said, that's me. I love you, Brian. It's better to give. And you feel it. You feel it. I, I love being a blessing. I like paying for people's meals. I like buying people clothes. I like buying people shoes. I like sewing into others. I like buying gifts for other people. I love putting money in people's hands. I love it. I love blessing the poor. I love that we can feed the children all around the world. I love all the things we're doing. I enjoy being a blessing. You know why? Because you're stepping up into your true call, which is to be the seed of Abraham. 
And if you're the seed of Abraham, you're under this Abrahamic covenant that still goes on today. It's an everlasting covenant. It's an everlasting covenant, which is why God walked through the sacrifice by himself instead of with Abraham, who he put to sleep. He put him to sleep so that he could be the only one walking through the sacrifice so that the covenant could be eternal. It wasn't based on Abraham. It was based on God. And so if you're a Bible says Galatians 3:29, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Hallelujah. So let me read you Acts 20 verse 35. This is the amplified classic in everything. I have pointed out to you by example that by working diligently in this manner, we ought to assist the weak being mindful of the words of the Lord Jesus. Now they're quoting Jesus here, how he himself said it is more blessed. Now listen to this in the amplified makes one happier and more to be envied to give than to receive. Let me say that again. It makes one happier and more to be envied to give rather than to receive. So catch this now. Giving is a higher level than receiving. Actually put that in the comments because people don't know this and they don't teach it. They don't understand it. Giving is a higher level than receiving. You ever think about that? Because everybody can receive, but not everybody can give. I wish somebody would catch that revelation today. Anybody can receive, but not anybody can give. Did you know that's why the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, when it's talking about Abraham and Melchizedek, he said, "It, it is always the greater who imparts or gives to the lesser. The greater it is the lesser or the inferior who is blessed by the greater. That's a scriptural principle. That's a scriptural principle. It is the lesser. It's a, it's a greater level to be the giver than to be the receiver. I mean, even in the, even in the case of the old Testament, the borrower is servant to the lender. You see that the borrower is a servant to the lender. And he, let me just say that even in that, even in that context, even if it's not a seed, you have to be greater financially to be the one to lend out to others who don't have, you know what I was just fine. I mean, I thank God for this, but I was going back on my family's history. I went back to the 1600s and the 1500s and the 1200s. I just found a house in Europe that my family used to own that looks like Downton Abbey designed by the same guy that designed High Clare Castle, which is Downton Abbey. And I looked into it and I started reading the family's history. You know what I found out? That our family in England was so blessed in the 1500s, the Shuttlesworth family, so blessed in England in the 1500s that twice we had to lend money to the royal family. (laughs) Queen Elizabeth I, we lent money twice to the royal family. The, the, the thing that I wrote said that they became so great in land holdings and financially and properties um, and, and those that obviously were living on their properties, farmers and everything like that, that there was so much 
And you know who built that place? The Reverend Lawrence Shuttlesworth. He was a preacher. He was a preacher in 1600 and built that house for our family. I should show you a picture of it sometime. Maybe tomorrow I will. Blows my mind that that far back in our family, we had ministers preaching the gospel. 1600. And we're so blessed that they gave money to the royal family. We had to lend them money. Come on. Giving is the greater level than receiving. Giving is the greater level. It's a higher level. So your purpose is, you excel in your purpose when you are a giver, someone who blesses others. You should always be seeking out people to bless. Always seeking out people to be blessed. How do you do that? You, you always know, God's use me, pray that way. God, use me to be a blessing to other people. Open doors. I mean, literally, just take it. There, there ought to be days that you literally just standing in front of people uh, at the grocery store. You tell them, hey, put all their stuff in on this too. Separate it, but ring it all up for one. Ring it all up for one. And literally, I'll, I'll take care of it. People say, are you serious? Yeah, yeah, I'm serious. I'm paying for your groceries. Line them up. Line them up. Go to a restaurant. When you're eating at a restaurant, find somebody else. Say, bring me, their, bring me theirs too. Bring me theirs too. I mean, whatever you got to do, pay it forward. If you're in some drive-thru, pay for the people behind you. Pay for the people behind you. I'm just telling you, be a blessing. Be a blessing. It, it changes your whole life. The joy that comes on you, the fulfillment that comes on you, when you're a blessing to others is mind blowing. It's mind blowing. Make a decision to be a blessing to other people. Let me give you the last one before we pray. And that is this number seven, very important one. So I saved it to last number seven, master yourself, choose to master yourself. This is big. Choose to master yourself. What do I mean by that? Well, I don't have the time to teach on it, but I did an entire broadcast on this very subject. It's on the podcast. It's on the broadcast on YouTube. It's called five, uh, I'm thinking it's called five areas of life. You have, you must master. Is that what it's called? What's it called? Five areas of life. You must master. And we'll give you the link too, but you've got to understand this. There are five areas in life that you have to master. And if you don't, then what ends up happening is they master you. Five areas of life that if you don't master them, they will master you. And I'll give them to you quickly, but you need to go watch the broadcast or listen to the podcast later. But you have to master your spiritual life. That's number one. You have to master your emotional or mental life. That's number two. You have, to, you have to master your physical life, your body, your flesh. That's number three. You have, to, you have to master your financial life, and you've got to master your relational life. You have to do it. If you don't do that on all five of those, they'll master you. What do I mean by that? Well, if you don't master your spiritual life, then, you know, Forget it. You won't even be a spiritual person. You won't have a spiritual life with the Lord. You'll be destroyed spiritually. And that's the worst. You end up in hell. 
But then go on further. How many Christians do you know that don't master their mental life and they're run by their emotions, they're run by their mind, their thoughts, they're, they're run by uh, the, the battlefield of the mind that they never win. You gotta master your emotions. You gotta learn to live in joy, peace, love. You gotta learn by, you gotta learn to do that. So the five areas of life you must master. If you don't master your spirit, you're done. You don't master your mind, your will, your emotions, you're done. Don't be an emotional roller coaster. Uh, if you don't master your body, do you know I, I did a podcast on this? I even wrote it in the book, and there's the link for everybody uh, if you want to go check it out on YouTube. But um, I, di- I did it in my book on fasting recently. I, I cited this long life specialist that was on Joe Rogan's podcast with him. Her name's Rhonda Patrick. And I, she talked about uh, what people are ha- having happen to them in hospitals right now. Uh, because they're in the hospital to be treated for something called metabolic syndrome. Look it up for yourself. It's a combination of like type two diabetes, high blood pressure, all these different things that could literally be taken care of by diet, by eating the right things. But people would rather take a pill and keep living irresponsibly. So your physical life, you've got to master your physical body or it will master you. You don't wanna be on 20 prescription medications. You don't wanna be at a place where they're like ready to cut off your foot because you can't stop eating Krispy Kreme donuts. You see what I mean? And it will destroy you. Number four, your financial life. That's almost everybody in America. You gotta master your financial life and do what the Lord says with your finances. And number five, you gotta master your relational life. (laughs) People are laughing, but it's true. There's people that are like, they're literally dying because they can't stop eating carbohydrates and sugar. It's destroying their whole body. And then your relational life. You got to master those. If you don't master your relationships, you talk about being unfulfilled, having a crappy life. Have a life with no relationships and see how that works out for you. Have a life with no relationships and see how that works out. And so these... These seven decisions need to be made to to literally stop living a subpar existence. Let me hit them real quick again. Be led by the Holy Spirit. Stop living for other people's approval. Do the thing God's given you a love for. Be a blessing to others. Stop comparing yourselves with other people. Stop loving things and be driven by things and status and pride. And finally, master yourself. Master yourself. And I'm telling you, if I, there are so many people, because here's what, here's what blows my mind. It, almost everything can be solved by obeying the word and prayer, you know, like being led by the spirit and everybody just wants a miracle prayer. And I understand God's there to help us when we're in trouble. Yes, he is. But the, the problem that I, that I see, and I am going to pray for you today, but the problem, and I'm going to show you something really cool in just a minute. I've got it right over here on the side of the desk and I want to show it to you for the very first time. I'm so excited. I'm going to do that in a minute. But but notice this. Everybody wants a miracle prayer instead of, it's just like in the natural. Everybody wants a pill instead of making the discipline change in their life. I would rather take the prescription medication for my problem than actually change my life so I don't need the prescription medication. That's a mindset. And that's something that people do in their spiritual life too. They do that. I would rather get in a prayer line and ask God to heal me rather than taking disciplined steps to take care of the temple of the Holy Spirit. And yes, I know God will help you when you're in a problem. He will. He loves you. 
but he expects us to use wisdom, obey his word and to honor the temple of the Holy spirit, honor the, the emotions and the mind that he's given us. What do you think God did? Created you as a three part being and then stopped caring about two of the parts. Everybody acts like all God wants to do is bless your spirit. No, he wants to bless your mind and he wants to bless your physical body. You're a three part being that he created. He wants to take care of all three parts when you obey his word. And so this will help you. But instead of just wanting to always get a miracle prayer and always take a spiritual pill for the, for the ill, then why don't you, and all of us, it's time to start taking the steps. There are steps. There's responsibility that must be taken for us to live a life that's fulfilling, that's full of God's vision, to, that's full of God's calling and his purpose that he gave to us and to see it carried out. And that's why I said, I love you. I so believe in you. I so believe in the victory tribe that I come on to give you these things because I know that you have a purpose and that it's important. Don't ever let anybody tell you that your purpose is not important. It is important. Let me pray for you today. Father, in Jesus name today, give every one of us open eyes to see clearly the steps that we need to take now to start mastering these areas, to, to step out of a frustrating and a subpar, irritating cruise control kind of life and step into the flow of the Holy Ghost, where we're accomplishing our purpose and doing exactly what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, use us to do it. Give us the steps to take and then put a burning fire in our belly to step out and do those things in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, if there are any, any people watching or listening that feel like they've gone too far that they can't turn things around, that they've gone too far to turn back and actually have a successful, fulfilling life in the kingdom, I pray that today the blinders would be taken off their eyes. Give them spiritual wisdom and insight. I say this, open up the eyes of their understanding, Lord. Let this message turn them around today and let them step into the place of their purpose and obey your calling and to obey what you've called them to do and, and the purpose you've placed on their life will actually come to pass quickly. Let them understand that they are not past their prime, that they're right in the middle of the will of God. You're only ever one instruction from being in the middle of the will of God. So Lord, speak to every one of us today in Jesus' mighty name. And if you believe it, somebody shout amen. And those of you, I see people are already giving. Thank you, Janine. Thank you, Chad. I'm encouraging you to sow a seed as well today. Let me show you this for the very first time ever. Drum roll, please. I love this. Look what we've got in front of us today. So excited about it. Can you see it? It's the elite, can I have the close camera? It's the elite study collection. It is finally in the house. The miracle word elite study collection is in the house. I'm so excited about this. Uh, when you open this bad boy, you'll see it in the front. One of my favorite scriptures, custom done for us. All scriptures breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So awesome. Inside, I don't know if you'll be able to see it, all of the stuff we've got for you in the Elite Study Collection. Whew. 
the genuine leather. Of course, that'll be in a box. Life Application Study Bible. Both books that will stir you up on best Bible studies you could ever do. We got you not just a hardcover. Beautiful. Leather. Leather Dake Study Bible. Leather-like, because it's the very nicest thing we could get, but it actually does feel good. It's leather soft. Net full notes edition. Oh, baby. And then we've got the Greek text in the bottom for John 1. You can't really see it on camera, but if you, once you get it in person, you'll see it. Jo the uh, three Bibles. Three Bibles, Caitlin. These are, I, I feel like these are the three very best for, for Christians to do their deep study on the Word. Three very best. We've got it all. And a message from me to you to say thanks. The, I think these are the best of the best. Um, but we're putting these together. You haven't even seen everything that's, oh, wait till you see it come to your house. Baby. But this is it. We call it the Elite Study Collection. In the custom box that we had done for you. Love this bad boy. This is, to me, nicest thing we've ever put out. This thing is off the chart. I truly believe in studying the Word of God deeply. We put this together for people. We wanted to have something special for people that are standing at, at an elite level, people that are sowing $5,000 or more. And we wanted to put this together as our gift to you. This is, I want one of these actually for myself. I might take this one. But these are going to be available uh, now for everybody that's stood with us at $5,000 or more as we are literally um, touching the world with the gospel. As you know, we're on the on television in 180 plus nations around the world every single week. We're seeing people saved all over the world, people being uh, literally discipled all over the world through our brand new uh, discipleship uh, course, What's Next, the Digital Discipleship course. Love you, Pam. Thank you. And so I want you to stand with us. I want to encourage you to partner with us. Maybe you're not able to do the $5,000 seat at this time, but you can stand with us at $85 or $100 a month. And in a year's time, so $1,000. And literally, uh, you know, do what you can where you're at. You know what I mean? Because that's what faith does. You find out, what does it take faith for me to do? What does it take faith for me to do? And so let me encourage you, those of you that are watching, don't do nothing, do something. You say, well, I can't sow $5,000. Well, that doesn't mean you don't do anything. Yeah, you know, Sandra, I could have spent a lot of time. She said, is there a scriptural reference for number seven? Um, you know, really, if you want to look at it, uh, I, I want to give you two because I, I, I wanted to do that and just got off into what the things were. Um, but obviously, Galatians chapter five is where I was going uh, because it's one of the fruit of the spirit, self-control. Um, but for your notes, let me give you this one as well. Uh, Proverbs chapter 25, Proverbs chapter 25. And, uh, let me read you cause it's a principle is what it is. It's about self-control. That's what we're talking about. Self-control. Um, Proverbs 25 and verse 28, listen to this, Proverbs 25, 28. This would truly be the reference for it. 
a man or a woman without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. You see that? A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. Well, you know what that means. A city without walls is open for destruction. And so is a man or woman who is without self-control, open for destruction. And so that's a good question. I'm sorry, I meant to give you that verse and I didn't do it. So thanks for asking me. And thank you to everybody that's partnering with us, standing with us and sowing seed. You can always go to miracleword.com and stand with us there. You can use your debit or credit card to sow a seed. We did make Zelle available for people that like to do Zelle transfers. And we're finishing up uh, making it available. So those of you that want to uh, sow and, and actually sow cryptocurrency, we're going to have the ability uh, for people to sow by cryptocurrency as well. Bitcoin, Ethereum, uh, XRP, whatever you, whatever you have, whatever you use, whatever you've bought, we'll have a way to receive that as well. Because I know there's people that watch that are into cryptocurrency and have crypto wallets as well. Kelsey, I declare my life will not be sucky. I agree with you. And you don't. You have a blessed life. You have a blessed life. So I want to say thank you. For this month of June, do you have this slide available yet, Tiff? For the month of June, we're going to be giving all those that partner with us at $85 or more. It's Brother Hagin's book, Biblical Keys to Financial Prosperity. Awesome book. It's an awesome book. I have this one at home. They gave this to us uh, in Bible school. Love this book, Biblical Keys to Financial Prosperity. And for those sowing uh, 85 or more in the month of June, this is, the, this is our gift to you. If you're sowing $1,000 or more, once again, of course, we're gonna be sending you the Life Application Study Bible, Genuine Leather, uh, New Living Translation. Love it. It's one of my favorite things. I reference it all the time. Uh, and I talk about it on the broadcast. It's a great thing, a starting place for believers. Great, great, great starting place for believers. Lots of great notes in there. I'm back all week, all week in the studio before we head out again. And um, also, Carolyn will be back on Wednesday and on Friday with her broadcast, which is at 2 o'clock p.m. Eastern time when we're home. Uh, so Carolyn's going to be back with you guys Wednesday and Friday, 2 p.m. You're not going to want to miss it. And then I am back here all week, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, 10.30 a.m. I love you guys so much. I'll be back tomorrow. I want to leave with a little shouting music. Power. Indiana Bible College singing Eddie James' song, Power. One of my favorite songs. I love it. I love you guys. Have a blessed day. Welcome to June. It's going to be a powerful month. We're going to run through the rest of 2021 in momentum and in power and authority and increase in Jesus' mighty name. Thanks for sowing. I'll see you again in the morning. Be blessed. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.